Good morning, and uh, welcome to Celebration Sunday. Are you glad to be here? Yeah, amen. I'm glad to be here as well. I have a message I'm looking forward to sharing with you this morning, and the, uh, the message is about change. Uh, we are here today, Celebration Sunday, to celebrate changed lives. And I don't know about you, but we're 30, 29 days into the new year, right? And for some of us, our New Year's resolutions have become New Year regrets. Uh, the very thing that we wanted to do, we're not doing. The very thing we don't want to do, we do. How many of you identify with that this morning? And so um, I want to talk to you about change today and how to lead yourself to change. How to lead yourself to change. Now, before we get into that, uh, I want to get into something else just briefly this morning, uh, because it is just something that's been pounding on my heart and my mind, and I woke up with it again this morning, and it's regarding the immigration crisis that we're facing in our country. And I want to just touch on this. I want to take us to scripture. I want to take us to prayer this morning, and then I want to take you into that message, at least in part of what the Lord put on my heart to share. So if you're not aware, uh, this past week, President Donald Trump made an executive order to ban immigration from six countries over the next 90 days. And this hits home for many of us. Uh, some of you are immigrants and some of you are refugees. Uh, my parents are immigrants, and I wouldn't be here today if it were not for the open arms of America. At Glad Tidings, we are good news for all people. Amen. And my hope is that our nation would continue to be as well. So the question that I've been asking is, how should God's church respond to this immigration crisis? How should God's church respond to this immigration crisis? And the place that we have to go is not to the pastor, not to our friend. The place we have to go to find that answer is to the Bible. We have to go to the Bible and we have to ask the question, well, what does the Bible say? Uh, you don't need to know what I have to say. Um, uh, it's not about what I have to say. It's not about um, my experience. Uh, it's what the Bible has to say. It's called a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is simply this. We view the world through the lens of the Bible. We view the events that are happening around us through the lens of the Bible. And as believers, God has called us to have a biblical worldview. And that view of our world through the Bible gets us all on the same page. How many say amen? And so you don't need my view. You need the Bible view. And so I want to take you to a few scriptures this morning before we pray. Uh, this is what the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33. The Bible says this. It says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Another scripture, Psalm 146, verse 5, the Bible says this, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. Whose hope is in the Lord, his God. How many of you have your hope in God this morning? 
Amen. Let's keep it there. Who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. So, in light of those scriptures, how should we pray? Let's pray that over the next 90 days, God would give President Trump and his team the wisdom to establish a vetting process that would protect us from terrorists as well as provide a refuge for those who are not. Another scripture is found in Romans chapter 13, verse 3. It says this, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the one in authority? Free from the fear, excuse me, of the one in authority. Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents to bring wrath to who? To bring punishment to the wrongdoer. That's the Bible. That's not me. The Bible is clear about what our responsibility is to those in authority over us. It's not to agree with them, but to submit to them and to pray for those who are in authority. First Timothy chapter two, verse one says this. I urge Paul tells Timothy this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved. Watch this and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Can I tell you this morning, the most powerful influence in this moment is to pray. The most powerful influence that we have right here, right now is to pause and to pray. And so we're going to pray that over the next 90 days that God would give President Trump and his team wisdom to establish a vetting process that will protect us from terrorists as well as provide a refuge for those who are not. And we're also going to pray that God, the God who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of him or come to a knowledge of the truth that 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 God would somehow use this current immigration crisis towards that end. How many of you know God is in the redemption business? And God can use what's going on right now somehow, in some way, for redemptive purposes. I don't know how, but I know God is able to use this for redemptive purposes somehow, some way. So I want you to bow your heads and I want you to pray with me this morning. God, we pause this morning to say, we need you. We need you. We need you. 
God, I'm reminded of Solomon who on the first day that he was king. He said, God, I need wisdom. And God, you gave him the wisdom to get wisdom. And I pray, God, that you would give our president the wisdom to get wisdom. God, that you would surround him with advisors, people who fear you, who know you, who know your scriptures, God. God, give him the wisdom to know how to provide protection as well as refuge in this nation. And God, we believe that you are here today and you are hearing our prayers. And God, I thank you, God, that is your desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we lift up these six nations this morning where there's a ban on them to come here to this United States. We pray for them. We pray for those refugees. We pray for those who are uh, those who are tormented, those who are persecuted in those lands. And we pray, God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would reveal yourself to them, that you would protect them, that you would comfort them, that, God, you would be God to them right where they are. And, God, we pray, God, for um, heaven's answers concerning this immigration crisis. We pray this morning That, God, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you, God, that you're going to bring the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank God this morning? God, we love you. Our mission at Glad Tidings is to lead all people. Somebody say all. All people, right, from all backgrounds to real transformation What does that word mean? Change. Change. Somebody say it. Change in Christ. All right. Now, what the Bible calls redemption is not the same as rehabilitation. What the Bible calls redemption, the way God brings about change, is not the same as rehabilitation. God doesn't come to you and say, you know, you look like a good candidate for a fixer upper. How many of you have ever seen that program, Fixer Upper, right? God doesn't say, you know, you look like a good remodel project. I think I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to purchase you. I'm going to remodel you. I'm going to fix you up a little bit. I'm going to tear down this wall, move it over five feet, put the wall back up, throw some paint on it and throw some new furniture in and, and you're good. God's not in the rehabilitation business. He's in the redemption business. Let's talk about the difference, right? He doesn't say, come, I'm going to clean you up a little, improve you here and there, and then you'll be ready for my kingdom and for life. This is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach rehabilitation. The Bible teaches redemption. And the theology of redemption is one of first total destruction. A starting over again with a new birth. The Bible says there is a time to tear down and there is a time to build up. There is a time for destruction in your life and there is a time for construction in your life. But before the redemption process can begin and go to the construction phase, you have to go to the demolishing stage. And we talked about this at the beginning of the month of what water baptism is all about. 
It's not just a celebration of a new life. It's a celebration of an old life that's just had its funeral. Redemption begins with destruction of the old you dying. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, Corinda. She writes, I listened to Pastor Walt's sermon on January 1st, and I just knew that I had to get baptized. By the way, we have 38 people signed up to get baptized this morning. So if you've got nothing else to do this morning, just hang out the second and the third service. She said, I knew I had to get baptized. I never thought of baptism as a funeral, as a death to yourself. She said, my first baptism was at age 12, and I don't know I fully that I fully understood what it meant. I just thought it as a declaration that I believed in Jesus. And although true, the fact that you surrender yourself, bury yourself, was not something that I grasped. I believed in Jesus, but my life didn't begin a transformation process until I walked into Glad Tidings six years ago this month. I walked in and the presence and the power and the knowledge of Jesus overwhelmed me And from then on, my life was changed. Church became a priority. Drinking and living that life ceased. I began to see life through the lens of Jesus. And with that, I truly believe that I need to have a funeral. (laughs) I've never had one. I want to be baptized. I want myself to be washed away. This is what Corinda writes. She says, but there are voices in my head fighting me every step of the way. How many of you understand that, right? I've been at Glad Tidings for six years. I've been in leadership. What are people going to think if I get baptized? My anniversary is this coming Sunday, this day, today, this coming weekend. And I contemplated missing church on the 29th in celebration of my anniversary. And I thought I would wait to the next month to get baptized. But as much as I love my husband, <laughs> she says, I love my Jesus more. And as Pastor Renfro said last weekend, everything is trivial in comparison to Jesus. So I marched right up to the info center after service and I signed up to get baptized. She writes this people's thoughts of me don't matter anyways. Amen. She said, my funeral is coming up. (laughs) I'm leaving my dead corpse in the baptistry. And that heaviness isn't going to weigh me down anymore. I am excited. More than excited. I have hope, she says. I have peace. This year, I this is the year I run to Jesus and I never look back. Come on, let's say praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Thank you, Corinda, for sharing your story. She's getting baptized this morning. I haven't talked to her husband. I hope he's here, too. (laughs) The theology of redemption is is one of of total destruction. That's where it begins. Of starting over with a new birth. We are not to be improved. We are to be crucified and then born again. And Paul says the old has passed away or the old has been crucified and all things have become new. Notice he said all things have become new. He didn't say all things have become complete. All things have become new. And so we need to enter into this growth process, right? 
The Apostle John, he describes us when we become born again. He describes us as children who are learning. First John chapter two, verse 12 through 14. Peter uses the term newborn babies. First Peter two, verse two. The writer of Hebrews refers to us as infants. Hebrews five, verse 13. Babies and infants are new, right? But they are not complete. How many of you glad babies and infants actually grow up? Babies and infants, <laughs> babies and infants are born new, but they're not born complete. They're just getting started and becoming, they're becoming what they were born to become. You were born again to become what you were born again to become. And I grew up in a dysfunctional family and so did you. It's called the human race. And because Adam and Eve, our first parents, missed the mark, we all missed the mark. And the Bible calls this sin. Missing the mark is called sin. And so we know that God sent his son to hit the mark for us. How many of you miss the mark every day? Yeah? How about this morning? <laughs> I'm glad you're being real. I'd rather you be real than right. <laughs> all right? So Jesus sent his son to hit the mark for us. And because he hit the mark for us, he also had the authority to now purchase us with his own blood. He had the right to redeem us, to purchase us, to, to buy us. We have been bought with a price, scripture says, and now we belong to him. And so we have and to, to, to receive this redemption, this new life. We have to go through this rebirth and this regrowing up process. And in this rebirth and regrowing up process, we have a, a new father with a new family, right? A new family, a new community called the body of Christ. And in this new family, God's big idea is that we get all the things that we missed out on from our first family. Under our first parents of Adam and Eve. And so now we go back to this theme of change. This theme of change. How do you lead yourself to change? It's God's will. How many of you know it's God's will for you to change? It's God's will for you to grow up. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. It's God's will that you should be transformed through the renewing of your mind. And so there's three things that you need to do if you want to lead yourself to grow. Unfortunately, because I took time to talk about immigration, which we needed to talk about, amen, I can only share with you one of those three things this morning. So I'm going to show you one of the three things you can do to lead yourself to grow. And it's the last item on the list, so it must be the best. We save the best for last. So the third thing that you can do to lead yourself to change and to grow is this. You have to change the way you partner with others towards that change. You have to change the way you partner with others towards that change in your life. In other words, you have to lead yourself to lead yourself to change. You have to lead yourself to others. Okay. 
When we think about change in our lives, sometimes we have this idea that God has this plan A to change us, right? And if that doesn't work for some reason, God has a plan B to change us. Plan A looks like this. God supernaturally, instantaneously zaps us and he changes us. How many of you like plan A? Right. And if that plan A doesn't work, then God has this plan B. And plan B would be that he changes us through a process over time that involves other people. And that's what we see as plan B. And we have this idea that plan A is somehow superior to plan B. And plan A is far more spiritual. And the people who have the greatest amount of faith are always changed by plan A. Are you with me this morning? But what I have come to understand that what we call plan B is actually God's plan A. And I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 this morning. And I want you to see this this morning about how God changes us through others. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. We're going to look at the New Living Translation this morning. And it says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. And the pastors and teachers. And I read that again a few days ago. And I thought, wow, I'm a gift to you this morning. (laughs) Oh, let's have some fun. Verse 12. Their responsibility, that's me. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do whose work? Whose work? My responsibility is to equip you to do God's work in people's lives. God's work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full standard of Christ, complete standard of Christ. Then I like this. Once we're all grown up, right, we've all matured. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, this is what it looks like when you're grown up. We will speak the truth. How? In love. We will speak the truth in love. Growing up in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. Verse 16. He makes the whole body, that's us, he makes everyone in the room fit together perfectly. How many of you know only God can do that? God can take 55 nations and he can fit them together perfectly. As each part, watch this, does its own special work. It helps the other parts Do what? Grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I don't know about you, but I am so glad we have the word of God this morning. (laughs) And his word supersedes my word every day, all the time. And it's so good. See, here's what I want you to see in this passage. God does not have plan A and plan B. He has plan A. All right. He has plan A. He has one plan and that plan is to change you into the likeness of Jesus. And he begins with the greatest miracle, which is the birth of Christ in you. 
And he continues to bring about change through every part of the body of Christ. If we're going to grow up beyond newborn babies, we need each other. We need all the parts of the body of Christ. We need all the nations represented. We need each other if we're going to grow up. The Bible says it in in the NIV translation. We are held together by every supporting ligament. Cindy wrote this. She says, for years I have struggled with depression and an inability to make relationships work. I prayed, I read my Bible, I memorized verses, I read good books, but I saw very little change. Then I joined a small group and I could not believe what happened in my life after I began to share. That's what the word fellowship means. Share my life with other people. I felt connected and things are different now, she writes. I feel like I'm connected with God again. She connected with the body of Christ, the parts of the body of Christ. And after connecting with somebody else, she said what? I feel like I'm connected to who? To God again. Listen, Christ will change you. But it doesn't always happen directly from the head. Sometimes it comes from the part of his body that you would least expect it. Listen, if you're feeling disconnected from the head this morning, it's because you have not been connected to the body. If you're feeling disconnected from the head from Jesus this morning, could it be it's because you've not been connected to his body? But pastor, I come to church on Sunday mornings. No, you don't. You come to a building on Sunday morning. You come to church when you share your life with the small group community. Can I get in your business this morning? The body of Christ is Christ. You cannot, it is impossible to separate yourself from his body and still be connected to the head. I need you. I need you. And you need me. And there may be a few people today that you need to go to. And you need to say. You're a different part of the body than I am. But I need you. I need you. You don't look like me. You didn't grow up where I grew up. But for me to grow up. (laughs) I need you. I need you. Somehow we get this idea that we just need to grow up all on our own. You take that baby home from the hospital, you put the baby in the crib, and you leave the baby alone. Why? Because that baby should be able to grow up on its own. Are you here this morning? Some of you have been in the crib for a long time. We need each other to grow up. Our separation... From the body of Christ, you can hear it. You can hear the separation that we have from one another by the way we pray. Most of our praying is like this. My father in heaven, give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. 
But can I submit to you this morning that God doesn't answer those prayers? They're selfish prayers. He answers the prayers that Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus said, pray like this. Our father. Give us. This day, our daily bread. Forgive us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. From evil. God gives and God forgives and God leads and God delivers in the context of us. That's how we need to pray. God answers your prayer in the context of community. Scott, would you say amen to that? We heard your testimony weeks ago on the video. You were in the back end of a homeless shelter. Lost your wife. You were separated from your kids. And you just climbed out of that hole all by yourself, didn't you? You know what he said? He said, God, deliver us. (laughs) Scott said, God, deliver us. You're the man that helped, right? You were part of it. He uses the us to deliver us. Some of you need to be delivered. And you're asking, God, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. And you need to change the way you pray. Deliver us. I'm constantly asking God for help. But I'm asking for it in the context of my family, of the community that I live in. I'm asking people to pray for me. I'm asking people, what are the good podcasts that you... Let's get practical this morning. What are the good podcasts you listen to? Because I want to grow, right? You're looking for those tools to, to help you overcome that addiction you engage in a small group. You engage in a cohort with other people that are, are going where you need to go. Somehow we have this idea that we have to figure things out on our own. We have this idea that we have to, to bring change on our own. Because that's what real men and women do. They just figure it out. They just get it. Man, I wish I could just get it like that person gets it. You see, pride says, I don't need you. I got me. Pride says, I bring about change all on my own. And people will ask me when I'm all changed and I'm all amazing and I'm all wonderful. How did you do that? And I would tell them I did it all by myself. I did it all on my own, right? I did it my way. Wow, aren't you really something? I wish I could be as strong as you, as disciplined as you, as self-made as you are, right? I mean, we all would love to take that credit. You know, I just, I just, I just exercise self-control and self-discipline, and that's why I am who I am today. You know, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Maybe you don't need more discipline to bring about change in your life. Perhaps you need more humility and community and accountability. Group link is uh, coming up in a week and a half. That's a long time to wait for an altar call, but it is part of the altar call this morning. Okay. 
we have, I think, around 50 small groups. They meet on different nights in different locations during the day and the evenings. We have all kinds of groups to meet all kinds of needs. Listen, if you are going to change this year, you have to lead yourself to change. And one of the things you need to do is lead yourself to others who can help you change. We've got some incredible small groups. Um, I wish I could read all the stories today of what God is doing in the lives of people in small groups. And, and, and maybe I'll be able to do that next week a little bit. But I want to encourage you. I want you to come to group link. Group link, there's a, there's a card in your bulletin, Wednesday, February 8th, Wednesday, February 8th, a Wednesday. Yes, we are doing group link on a Wednesday night right here at Glad Tidings. Those of you who are already in a small group, come to the prayer meeting that night. Those of you who are not in a small group, you're going to be going to um, the kids auditorium that Wednesday night. And you saw a video earlier of what that's going to look like. And we're going to help you find the community where you can grow this year. And what I love about this idea of doing group leak on a Wednesday night is, is our student ministries, m student ministries. They're having their service in the student auditorium that night. And they are going to highlight small groups. They are going to help students plug into a small group this year. And our kids are meeting in all these classrooms all around the building in their small groups that Wednesday night. So parents, if you're, if you're not in a small group and your, your student isn't in a small group and your child is not in a small group, everybody that Wednesday night can find a small group community. How many of you think that's a good idea? I think it's a God idea. I think it's going to be fantastic. So come check it out, man. And let's grow this year. Let's grow this year. Let's lead ourselves to others. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the beautiful body of Christ with all the many parts. God, I thank you that we need each other to grow. And God, I pray that over the next few weeks, you would just help us catch that revelation of that. And God, help us this week, each one of us, Help us this week to find those people in the body of Christ who may not look like us. They may not have come from where we've come from. But God, let us express to one another how much we need one another. God, I thank you for all the one another's here today. We pray that you would bring us together in perfect unity. That we would all grow up into the head person of Jesus Christ. God, and I pray that you would take the beautiful unity that we here have here and the beautiful maturity that we have here and we would become missional with it. That we would reach the lost in our city. That we would reach the nations right here in Omaha, Nebraska. That we would reach the nations in our neighborhood. That we would reach the nations around the world, God. God, the nations are on your heart today. Send us to the nations. And God, continue to bring the nations to us. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to invite our prayer workers to come this morning. If you're here today and you have not had your funeral. Ha! Today is your day. Today is your day of destruction. Today is the day for the old you to pass away. 
and for the new you, the born again you in Christ Jesus to come alive. And if that's you today, and you know you need to have your funeral and you need to have your resurrection today, you need to be saved. I'm going to invite you to come down and pray with one of our prayer workers. If you have any other needs that we can pray with you about, that's why we're here today. We're here to connect with God in our service. God bless you and have a great week in Jesus.